The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the Next Generation episode, Data Lore. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stiga. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? Folks, be sure to get your very own Secrets of Star Trek t-shirt or other merchandise by visiting sqpn.com slash merch and be the most fashionable Trekkie that you know. Be sure to check out uh, another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash secrets. So, Jimmy, before we start talking about it, can you give us a recap of what happens in Data Lore? <sighs> okay. <laughs> um, the Enterprise goes to the dead planet where Data was found 26 years ago. There they find his disassembled twin brother, Lore. Realizing that nothing could possibly go wrong with the idea of reassembling him, they reassemble him. They learn from Lore that the colonists on the planet were killed by a giant space snowflake. Uh, Lore quickly fulfills the evil twin TV trope, slips Data a Mickey, and pretends to be Data. He also plans to feed everyone on the ship to the giant space snowflake, but he gives himself away in front of Wesley by using contractions, which Data ridiculously and supposedly doesn't use. Mm -hmm. However, Picard won't listen to his young acting ensign and utters the immortal line, Shut up, Wesley! (laughs) Afterwards, the giant space snowflake shows up and attacks the Enterprise, but Lore, pretending to be Data, gets it to break off its attack. Afterwards, he uses a ruse to go to the cargo bay and lower the shield so that the space snowflake can eat everybody on the ship. Fortunately, Wesley convinces Dr. Crusher to turn Data back on. They confront Lore in the cargo bay, and we get to see androids fighting. (laughs) Data uh, throws Lore onto a transporter pad, and Wesley beams him into space. Afterwards, the space snowflake decides to just leave the end hmm. <laughs> yes um yeah i had i had something i want to say about it but I'll, I'll wait till we get to that in, mm-hmm. the, in the episode one interesting thing about this episode it is gene roddenberry oh wait 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 there's something interesting about this episode oh yes oh yes there's a okay. few things <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is gene roddenberry's final time writing for a star trek a star trek episode now he stays involved as a producer but he's this is the last time he gets a writing credit on the show and maybe that's why because it was <laughs> there were problems um, well it i mean he was in control of the show he they didn't kick yeah. him off the writing staff oh, I know. yeah he, he he had other problems that he well things that he was dealing with i mean his health wasn't great mm-hmm, and right. He was walking around smashed half the time. Right, right. Um they the people noted that, you know, they didn't think that was Coke in that Coke can he was carrying around. Yeah. Yeah. Or there, there might have been some Coke in there, but it was with other things as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> uh as uh 
we, we were noting before that uh, he passes away d- uh, during the season four uh, airing of season four uh, of TNG. So he, mm-hmm. he, he dies in a couple of years from this. If you want to see all, a great documentary, kind of a fun, wild documentary, there's the one that uh, Shatner does of mm-hmm. of the behind the scenes of TNG that's on Panic Netflix. Panic on the Bridge? Panic. I think that might be it. Something like um, that. It's either like Panic on the Bridge or Crisis on the Bridge, something like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a good behind the scenes. It kind of goes into all the craziness that was going on with the production of TNG, and, and that would be but, uh, worthwhile. One thing we definitely, I know you, we see is, as you get into the second, third season, Ronberry's role is kind of pushed back, and some of the, uh, the later showrunners kind of start to take more control right. of it. And right. the show gets better. Yes. Yeah, and in fact, I was saying before we started recording, I kind of feel like, this at at about this point, maybe after the next episode, <laughs> the first season starts to get better. It starts to improve. Like we've we have famously said that the first season, especially the the first half, um, well, I think we've all agreed the first season of TNG is a clunker. Um, yeah, it's it's the worst of the seven. And and I well, I don't know. Season two gives it a run for its money. Season two has got a lot of. Oh, okay. Lame stuff in it. Okay. It, to my mind, it doesn't really get good until season yeah. four. Right. Season three is okay, but seasons one and two are clunkers. See, I I kind of have felt like the the second half of season one, we start to see improvement. There are some better stories in season in the in the rest of season one. This is the origin of my TNG, my personal TNG rule, which is if there's a new sh- show you're interested in, give it six episodes or or a half season. Before you make a judgment, and that was because if I had just decided on TNG based on the first you know half of this season, if I didn't get to the second half, I would have given up. Like I just, it was the first half was pretty bad. So um, I I just remember get better. Just remember the second season is when Riker grew the beard. So I mean, (laughs) that was an improve. It did start improving then. Yes, which led to a TV trope. Um, If so, the jumping a shark is, which is based on a Happy Days episode where Fonzie literally ski jumps over a shark. (laughs) um, Is when you know a series has reached a point of irreversible decline, (laughs) right? And the reverse of jumping the shark on TV tropes dot org or com is um, growing the beard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so when you grow the beard, when a TV show grows the beard, it's like, okay, it's finally getting better. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it is universally <laughs> true. Uh, so we've got this data lore thing. And one of the things that distinguishes data and lore is the emotions. Lore's oh, by the mo- way, I just want to put it on record. Harlan Ellison was right. Gene Roddenberry can't write worth sour bird poop. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> And this kind of applies to that because one of the things that that Star Trek does a lot is equate emotions with bad. Like Vulcans, being emotional is bad. Being emotionless and logical is good. You know, Data, having emotions, if he, if he gets to the emotion chip, he turns bad. See, Lore. And it, it's kind of a weird tick that, that Star Trek has had, especially I, given Discovery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it. I, I don't know if uh, and Discovery actually is is a proof of this, but it, it's not so yeah. much emotions are bad. It's the uncontrolled emotions right. is, right. and that's what you see with Lore is he's not controlling his emotions. He's operating yeah. more on emotion than he is data. Okay, yeah. This is this is kind of an outgrowth of the two world wars and the Cold War. 
Right. Um, mm. Where you had these, you know, horrible experiences in the 20th century that led people to worry that, okay, we've got this technological power, but we haven't grown enough emotionally to yeah. use it responsibly, and it's caused huge problems. Which, which is the backstory for why Vulcans became emotionally repressed. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I said, you know, like Discovery kind of proves that 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 maxim of, <laughs> of true. You know, uncontrolled emotions because Discovery is bad. It's not, you know, it's not evil. It's just bad show because it's, it's uncontrolled an emotion emotions fest show. Yes, <laughs> yeah. this is true. This is true. Okay, okay, I get that. Um, that Gary. So, uh, basically, at this point with data, you know, now that we've had data for so long, you know. 30 years but at this point in the storytelling we only knew that data had been was this strange robotic being who had been discovered on an empty planet we didn't know all the rest of it about sung and all that other the stuff that's this is what this story does is gives us a big chunk of that backstory that we didn't have before um and yet we still have data as pinocchio at this point you know data after 26 years of being in starfleet yeah this is just bad writing, and yeah. I've said so all along. After, if he's been living with humans for, I mean, he progresses more in seven years than yeah. he did in the first twenty-six. Right, yeah. like the whole "I'm trying to learn to sneeze" thing, which is like you're just well, and yeah. not knowing not knowing the common cold. You know, using the conceit that they've 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 figured out all the viruses. By the way, the right. cold is multiple viruses, not just one, <laughs> yeah. but the common cold. That they've abolished all of those, they've got rid of all of them. That he just still doesn't know the history of like the common cold is he's, kind of implausible. He's a computer. Download it. <laughs> right. Well, he's got. They say he's got the not the memories, but the in the knowledge of these four hundred colonists. Not to mention, he can literally jack into a computer and like download right. what he needs. Except, yeah, well, that's always bugged me. Is they they do it in this episode where he just instead of downloading information. He reads it really fast off the screen, mm-hmm. which is a hugely inefficient way of getting information. But that's you know that they they it's a it's a way of showing the viewer that he's acquiring information at superhuman speeds. But um, so the they end up at that Picard is taking a detour because they happen to go by this planet on their way to somewhere else, and it the planet is a completely barren and dead world. Because of the crystalline entity, which sucks life out of everything, apparently, um, and we're found that data was found laying inactive on a slab out in the open by this other Starfleet crew who didn't spend any time looking around for where yeah. the colonists might have been. Like they didn't, they didn't discover the underground cavern. Jordy does. Does Jordy's visor better than a tricorder? Like <laughs> they, it, they kind of hinted at that time, a time or two, that it can. It's got better sensors or, or because the fact that it's feeding into his optical nerve that he can interpret it better or something, something techno babble thing. Right. I guess. Okay. So um, they discovered Dr. Sung's lab and for somehow no one wondered about the connection between positronic data and this missing Dr. Sung, who was the father of positronics. Well, did they ever use the word positronic to describe him before, before? this? No. I think I don't I, know. I thought they did. I could be mistaken, but I thought they 
in when they introduced Data, they talked about him having a positronic brain, but I could be, be mistaken. It's been a long time since I've watched that wonderful episode, Farpoint, so mm-hmm. <laughs> they introduced him, so I can't remember. But but, but, it, but this is where they figure out Dr. Sung is his creator. Yep. And if he looks like Dr. Sung, like Sung based him on his own appearance, no one notices that Data looks that, exactly like the... Gee, you've got a robot that looks like a famous roboticist. I wonder if there's a connection. <laughs> exactly. Simply a coincidence. Simply a coincidence. It was simply coincidence. an homage. No. <laughs> that's that's one of many plot holes in this episode. Um, right. I mean, okay, why would Lore want to kill everyone on the colony? How would it communicate with the crystalline entity? Why does the crystalline entity want to eat everyone? I mean, I can kind of go with those. But then, okay, from what we're given to understand, Lore betrays the colonists to the giant snowflake, and then the giant snowflake eats everybody. Mm-hmm. But and, and they apparently Lower says he told the snowflake where they were hiding, and they were they were hiding in this underground bunker mm-hmm. that's right next to where Data was found. And so, how did the snowflake eat them from within the bunker? Okay, <laughs> I mean, maybe it could do that. But after Lore betrays them, mm-hmm. Lore gets disassembled. Right. And and put back in this display case with all of his parts that has been built to display his parts. Right. He's, they're not like in a heap on the floor. Right. Um so so while they're being attacked or just about to be attacked by the giant snowflake, they haven't just turned him off, which they would know how to do because he's got mm-hmm. an off switch and Dr. Sung is there and built him. Um, they, they, they don't just turn him off. They take him apart and put him in a display case (laughs) and they turn off data and put him on a slab right out front. It's like, why? Right. What is, what is the logic here? And does this timing remotely work? The only thing I can think of with the lore thing is there could have been a gap in time between when he communicated with the, the crystal from a distance Right. And when they disassembled him, you know, they then they they found out he was bad, disassembled him and put him in the lab. And then sometime later, the crystal shows up, maybe. I know, but that's implausible. I mean, they imply that the bunker is built hastily. I mean, Jordy says it. It was built hastily. Yeah. So apparently they knew the attack by the crystal snowflake was, was imminent. Mm-hmm. And they slapped this thing together and... That should have been consuming their time, not taking Laura apart and putting him in a display case. Well, then you have the whole thing because we we know eventually that Sung has escaped. Yeah. Like, where was he? How does he live? Um, was he off world? But but I think the bigger problem is who laid out data on the slab mm-hmm. and why? Like, and, and set him up with the beacon to alert right. a passing by Starfleet ship. Right. I mean, I guess it could have been Sung was away and came back, but why would I, he just take data I, with him? <laughs> I, I recently rewatched that episode, and Brothers is the one. So yeah. Lore, Lore appears in four episodes. This one, Data Lore. He also appears in Brothers, where we get to see Dr. Sung in the flesh, and um, in Descent, parts one and two. And of those, the best one is Brothers, mm-hmm. um, to my mind. But um, in 
in uh, in data in in brothers when doctor when data asked doctor sung how did you survive he says i've something like i've never been comfortable living somewhere where i didn't have a backup escape plan and mm-hmm. so he, he implies that he was there and got out at the last minute in a private shuttle or something mm. right yeah by the way i this is what i was going to mention at the top of the show is the reason we're we're, we're kind of doing this out of our established order that we're doing uh, you know tng and the other shows because uh, Data Lore, apparently, is going to show up in the third season of Picard. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's why we're talking about uh, Lore in this episode. And next time we'll be talking about Moriarty, the hologram, the holodeck program, um, who will, who also apparently has a small part in season mm-hmm. three. Yep. So we're just going to look at these two episodes. Uh, and that's and why. I, I got I got my way on which Moriarty episode we're going to talk about, the good one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but I didn't get my way on which of the lore episodes we're going to talk about. <laughs> yep, yep. So uh, we would have come to this one eventually anyways. We were pretty – we yeah. were like a couple we episodes apart yeah. anyways. So yeah. get it out of the way. Get the pain get done it. with. Yes. Well, because then we'd have to do Angel 1 afterward. Well, <laughs> so <laughs> let's just do, we have to do them both. And it went after the other. So um, Data, like Odo, is just looking for someone like him in the in the uh, universe um, and so wants to rebuild lore. And I kind of that's another interesting thing that keeps recurring in in the Star Trek series is mm-hmm. someone who's alone or thinks that they're alone. Sp- Spock, Data, Odo. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's kind of uh, fascinating. And so. Neelix, Saru. Yeah. Um, yeah. Book in Discovery. Book, okay. Yeah, that'll be mm-hmm. season four of Discovery. Um, every everyone on the crew for some reason has trouble talking to Data about lore. They feel awkward. And, mm-hmm. and oh yeah, Picard kind of mentions, oh, it's because it reminds us that Data's a machine. Which okay, I don't understand. <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. But okay. It, it seems well, weird. Picard Picard has this and I remember hating this back in what was it, nineteen eighty seven when this was first on the air. Yep. Yeah. I remember I was watching it with my wife and I just hated this scene where you've got Picard and Jordy and Riker and Data in the briefing room and Picard makes this speech because they're 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 asking awkward questions to data about lore and and it's hard to tell because the dialogue is so awkward to begin with yeah um that these are unusually awkward questions it i mean you have to kind of think about it was that more awkward than usual i guess <laughs> there it's meant to be um but picard then makes this Okay, let me cut through all this. Um, let me remind you that, yes, data is a machine, but we are also just machines, a oh, biochemical yeah. kind. Yeah. And, and at that point, Riker smiles from ear to ear and thumps the table with his hand in approval. And it's like, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's, so, just, it's so awkward. <laughs> well, it, the scene was also offensive because Picard, they're, they're misgendering in mispronouncing lore, they keep calling right. him it. Yeah. Right. Uh, do you see yeah, me so as an sarcastic. it as well? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, by the way, I just noticed this is, we are recording this, uh, you know, earlier than you're hearing it, but um, obviously <laughs> if we weren't, never mind. <laughs> then it but, would be live. Yes, yeah. then it would be live. 
But um, this is just about the 35th anniversary of this episode. I noticed that uh, when it came mm. out, it came out almost exactly 35 years ago. Wow. Uh, and 35 years later, I still hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things we get is Data shares a secret with Crusher uh, about his off switch. And he makes a good point. If you had an off switch, would you tell everyone about it? <laughs> no. And that's one of the things that makes him a machine, by the way, is he has an off switch and we don't necessarily. Yep. Oh, well, we do. It's just you got to smack some upside the head to do it. <laughs> it's like, if, well, you kind of your nose is kind of an off switch. If you hit that hard enough, it will go That's back true. into the brain. That's true too. Person, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> well, an off switch does not permanent. Usually, yeah, it doesn't usually do damage turning it on and off. So, um, I, it's interesting to me that Lore's first words are, at all are a criticism mm-hmm. of Data as being imperfect. Mm-hmm. That gives a little foreshadowing. Um, and he immediately starts trying to turn data against humanity and rejecting humanity. Yeah. So the um, the the first. So we should give closure on that. The first words that Lore has, he's they they've he's in something like sick bay. They've been having the chief engineer of the week, uh, Lieutenant Commander Argyle, and Doctor Crusher put Lore back together, and they've got him in a bed, and he's under a sheet, and he's not active yet. And they're wondering when he's going to become active. And then someone says, I wonder who was created first, whether it was this android or data. And Lore opens his eyes and says, he was. They, he, they, uh, but they, they found him to be imperfect. And so they made me. Mm-hmm. And so already he's one upping data. Right. And, and, and then within a few scenes, Lore admits to Data that was a lie, and yes, I know you're going to report it to the captain, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, then why did you lie? What was <laughs> yeah. your motive? Right. He's, well, he's a he's, jerk. He's a jerk. He's unbalanced, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but if you had the foresight to realize that this lie wasn't going to stick, why did you tell it in the first place? Right. Well, th- there's another, another plot hole uh, among the many, which is, you know, he reveals that the colonists didn't like like him, and he gives an excuse for why. But but it, they don't like him, and so Sung has to start from scratch again. Mm-hmm. So rather than reprogram Lore, he creates a yeah. whole other android. Now maybe positronic brains, once they're turned on, cannot be reprogrammed or something. You know that you could come up with. Yeah, but- you could corrupt the files by. To, to installing a major software patch or something. Right, right. So, I, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily a hole, it, but it's it's sort of... It's like a DVD-R. Once you burn it, you can't do it Unburn again. It. Yeah, right. You, you could rip out the brain and put it in a new one, though. Right, right, exactly. You don't have to rebuild from scratch. Uh, they so And now Lore is an unreliable narrator. Yes. So who knows how much of this is true? But the story he eventually, fictionally true, the story he eventually comes up with is they made me, but I was too perfect. And so they petitioned Dr. Sung to make a less human android, namely you. And okay, there's a kind of emotional logic there maybe, but I don't think that it uh, was that the colonists found Lore creepy because he was too human. No, I think the colonists found Lore creepy because he's creepy. <laughs> yeah, right. constantly well, he is just creepy. He's a jerk. <laughs> well, he's 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 you know 
emotionally manipulative and everything else. You know, it's just like he's and a, smug yeah, and smug. Yeah. yeah, you know, we talk about again, you know, again, you know, uncontrolled emotions. Well, he's uncontrolled emotions personified, right? And you know, that's why they didn't like him. That's why they wanted him shut down. So another one of the flaws of this story is the how credulous the crew is. Like everyone except Wesley is completely. And Tasha. Uh, but even then, she doesn't question like Wesley does. Doesn't see through lore like mm. like Wesley does. She and that's in fact a, a very deliberate thing that they do is they Tasha says, "Are we sure we can trust you know data now?" And Picard says, yes, we can, of course. And then tells everyone else. And, and everyone should recognize that was a completely necessary and legitimate security question. <laughs> right. And then Wesley comes up with a very valid question later on and gets, shut up, Wesley. And he, he makes, he, he, yeah. I mean, and he had good reason to. He heard lore slip when he was impersonating Data. Yeah. And use a contraction, which we know Data supposedly doesn't do, except at the very last line of the episode. Oh right. no! Whoa, 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 whoa! There's, there's a video. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all the um, contractions, and, and all the contra- it's yeah. not even all. It's just from select episodes, but from this episode alone. Okay, so I've always hated this thing. Yep. About data not using contractions because, right. in fact, it would be it's trivially simple mm-hmm. to right. to have a computer use contractions. Microsoft Grammar Checker recognizes contractions today. Most of them, <laughs> yes. You know, yes. Um, so so the idea that the only reason that Data would not use contractions is if he had been programmed not to. Right. Now, I don't mind them having Data speak more formally. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wouldn't mind at all if the writers had a rule that said – when you're writing dialogue for data, don't use contractions because he speaks more formally. And it could just be a sub, you know, subliminal thing that the audience would pick up on. It's like, hey, he's talking more formally, but it wouldn't be a rule right. that, that he never uses contractions. It would be a nice writing thing. I would approve of it as a writing thing to say, mm-hmm. hey, make this character talk formally. Don't use contractions. Um, that would be great. But what's stupid is the idea that that's literally true, that he can't even says in the LOL episode, I've never been able to master this. Okay, no. The only reason for that is if you were programmed not to. Right. But when you then point it out to the audience that this is what you're doing and you make it a rule, you're asking (laughs) for it because your actor will make slips. Yep, right. And the director will not catch it, and your writers will make slips. So by making this an explicit rule that you've telegraphed to the audience, you're just you're setting yourself up. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the idea of the rule is stupid, and telling the audience about it is stupid. It should just be a background writing thing. Yeah. But in this episode, the episode where they announce the rule. And it is crucial to the plot. Yes. Brent Spiner uses four contractions as data. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. At the beginning. I mean, okay, he actually uses contractions all the way back in episode one at Encounter at Farpoint. Yes. But in this episode, in three scenes mm-hmm. before they announce the rule, he says, actually, 
I'm quite deficient in some basic human information. He says, I've always thought that it was done hurriedly. I've been most anxious to hear the chief engineer's opinion. And then after the no contractions rule has been announced and played its vitally important part in the plot of this episode, in the last scene, Picard asks Data how he is, and he says, I'm fine. Come on, guys. Yeah. Where is your continuity monitor? I mean, your script your script person should I mean the script reader should be catching those in this episode at least. If it were just that last one, if it were, it would I would I would because it's accompanied by a Twitch because Lore gave him his Twitch. Yep. I'm fine, Twitch. I would have accepted it maybe as a sort of wink and a nod at the, is this really data or is it lore after all? You know, sort of thing. Sort of, I could have accepted but you're right. The other ones just blow that out of the water. It just makes, it, it says, this is careless. <laughs> we've been very careless. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, 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 and, and we've talked about it before. The, this rule is that we've announced is dumb and especially careless when you've made this the mm-hmm. linchpin of this episode it's it's the key on which the the drama turns is is this contraction well, no contraction this, thing and this is so much of the data is still like a 10 year old child in a you know android body type you know mentality right. where he's still learning and he still doesn't know simple things and again it's not like he doesn't understand like you know he would understand why someone would sneeze for example he right. would know, understand, he, you would think he would have the knowledge, but to be able to replicate the act of a sneeze, okay, that one we can we can get. But, you know, stuff like no. that. Just play the sound of a, of, a, of a sneeze through your speech synthesizer and pantomime the accompanying action. <laughs> right. Or you get that silly Brent Spiner doing his choo! <laughs> yeah. So, one thing I forgot to, to uh, bring up before, what was with da- with uh, Riker running the Pythagorean Pythagorean theorem. I can say it. Pythagorean theorem at Lore as some kind of test. What was he yeah. testing, and why was Lore like or something like that? I don't really know. I, I don't. Know, I didn't get that. Yeah. So they have Lore in the scene at the at the operation station in the bridge, which is normally where Data sits. Mm-hmm. And um, they're showing him how it works, and they're explaining extremely basic information to him, like the 360-mark, 360-degree navigation system they use. Right. So, And they can travel in three dimensions and you know point the ship wherever they want. And, and Lore starts sucking up to Wesley. Right. And buttering him up, and Picard, uh, Riker gets suspicious mm-hmm. of Lore, and so he says, because because Lore, if he, I mean, Data is fantastically smart; mm-hmm. he has tons of information. So why is Lore an idiot about these things? And Riker decides to, I mean, you know, in our day, the three hundred sixty Mark three sixty navigation system is not something we would be familiar with, right? But Anybody should know that. That's like knowing what a telephone number is. Mm-hmm. And oh, and I see you can punch in these these numbers in sequence, and it will call the person you want. Really? Yeah. Um, 
Right. And so Riker gets suspicious that Lore knows more than he's letting on. And he says, and the uh, square of the hypotenuse is equal to? And Lore almost blurts out the square of the other two sides, you know, yep. added together. And and then he, he, he fakes it. And, of course, all that's stupid anyway with thousands of calculations a second. <laughs> right. Um, he would have been able to figure that out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it was – it. I mean, I guess it's this, it's supposed to show that maybe they, they're not completely clueless, mm-hmm. except they are. <laughs> Everyone but, well, but Wesley. And I wonder, too, if it, if it was kind of answering the, the fan uh, answer of, so what is this degree, mark, degree thing that yeah. you're using for oh, sure. navigation? You know, yeah. and, it's, it, and it's basically the three-dimensional version of there's a bogey at 5 o'clock, which is a line they use in this episode, by the way. There's yeah. a bogey at five o'clock, meaning, you know, you look at a clock, five o'clock position means it's behind you off to this side, you know, and yeah. Right. So, but in, 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 in three space, it's like, okay, great. Five o'clock and which other o'clock at the same time, is it coming <laughs> straight down on us or straight up at us? Or is exactly. it level with us? Exactly. And that, that's why that's, I think this is the only time you hear them use the bogey at five o'clock and said, there's a bogey at. You know, 180 Mark 20 or whatever, you know. The, Coming the out of the sun. Yeah. Which sun? <laughs> yeah. The one that's closest to us. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, as part of this, like Crusher even critiques the fact that they're following Lore's every move. That doesn't seem like the act of a brother. Have you had a brother? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a brother. <laughs> and, and, oh, by the way, you're on board the flagship of the federation you know of starfleet you might want to make sure that this unknown entity is trustworthy with you know the secrets that are on it a super powerful android (laughs) the the super powerful android that by its own admission was requested by was found insufficient Mm -hmm. by the colonists and they didn't want it they wanted a different one and then they took it apart yes yeah (laughs) i i would monitor this thing too right so at least they were monitoring, but even like Crusher's, like that didn't make sense for her to to not get that. So Lore replaces Data badly. Um, he doesn't even understand when Picard says "Make it so." What does yeah. that mean? It means make it so. So yeah, <laughs> do it. <laughs> like go do it. <laughs> like uh, what kind of an idiot are you? Of an android are you? Um, and and again, I got come back to it. Riker and Picard are way out of line. Toward Wesley, who's the only one showing the right amount of skepticism of lore, who pretending to be data. Like it just, I, I mean, I get as you were saying, Father Corey earlier, Wesley was sort of the 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 brainchild of Gene Roddenberry. It was his sort He's of the author surrogate. Yes, yep. and so we have to make him the best, which is one of the main fan complaints about Wesley. But gosh, this just highlights how bad that well, is. And the only reason why Wesley even questions is he hears Lore mutter about, oh, it's so beautiful. Isn't right. it? Isn't it beautiful? Isn't beautiful, it beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. So he hears a contraction and that he thinks it's so beautiful. And it's like, ah, something's not right here. I'm right. wondering, I wonder why Wesley is waiting so long. I mean, and, and then to tell Picard, he just used a contraction. I mean, right. he should have immediately alerted, immediately alerted the captain to it. There's a potential danger here, mm-hmm. right? And and when he finally does, he doesn't outlaw. He doesn't say this is lore, 
right. Right. He it, it's it, it's a, vague, in order to, yeah to stretch out the drama. Wesley inexplicably waits longer than he should to say anything, and then he doesn't clearly identify the threat. <laughs> Lore comes up with the the dumbest plan to intimidate the crystalline entity. Let's yeah. beam a tree out there and blast yeah. it as a <laughs> warning <it>. sign. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, it is obviously stupid on its face. <laughs> By the way, I just also want to mention the crystal entity. I mean, I'm I I typically am forgiving of of ancient you know special effects, you know, because <laughs> they they didn't have what we do now. But I've yeah. always thought the crystal entity looked ridiculous. Yeah, um, the CGI is just terrible. Very well, low polygon count on very, that. I was gonna say it, it, it looked like a a mid nineties video game. Or Tron, CGI. really, even yeah. like just the flat faces. Uh, Crystal, now they, I, they had at one point they had done a um, like a remastering of TNG. I can't remember if they really upgraded any of the special effects on it, though. Oh, I don't know. Usually, Memory Alpha would would talk about it, show the differences, but uh, they didn't have anything here, so I don't know if they've had a remaster to this one. Maybe they just want to forget. Um, yeah. Oh, there is a remastered. That's right. There is a. They, have well, they a went through the entire series and remastered it in in 1080p, yeah. but I yeah. don't know if they did anything. Unlike TOS, where they redid a lot of the special effects, a lot of the like outside the ship scenes and stuff like that. Right. But right. I don't think they did any of that with TNG. I think they just you know, remastered it. Speaking of behind the scenes, apparently the whole idea they had a different idea for data and lore, but Brent Spiner was the one who said we should do an evil twin. Yeah. Which I get as the actor, that's fun. But yeah, and for people who may not be familiar, Evil Twins were all over television in mm -hmm. the '80s and '90s. Right. It was a it Evil Twin is a TV trope, right? Yeah. I mean, TOS did it with the Mirror Mirror episode with you know the Evil well, Twin even, of even Knight Rider did it. There was an yeah. Evil Twin of both Michael Knight and Kit. That's right. Oh my gosh! Talk even, about Evil Evil Twin <laughs> of the car, and yes, the Evil Twin of Michael Knight had a goatee. Mm. And, uh, that's right <laughs> wow that brings it back um <laughs> so in the end like so uh lore is down in the cargo bay and he's gonna shut down the shields because picard apparently didn't realize that in order to intimidate the crystal entity they'd have to blow the shields to beam the tree into space to blast i um, assume he recognized it but dismissed the risk i guess yeah um Wesley and Crusher show up. <laughs> Lord threatens Wesley to get Crusher to leave, but you know I'll, I'll turn him into a little burning torch or something. Really, yeah. really intense. Um, and then, uh, and eventually, Wesley, you after the fight between Data and Lore, beams Lore into space and says he's gone permanently until and he returns, not. and he's not, <laughs> and he's yeah. not because he didn't scatter his atoms in space like he should have done. But he, you know, okay, so. <laughs> plot holes at this point in the episode first though <laughs> the entire episode <laughs> another another dialogue note um so really horrible stilted dialogue through all of this oh yeah but one of the high points of the really stilted horrible dialogue is when lore is on his way down to the uh to to the the, the storage bay whatever it is mm. to beam out the tree um, he, he ambushes Worf in an elevator and when Worf comes in, he like smacks Worf, you know, with his fist and says, now show me your warrior fierceness. 
Oh man! If you hit some of the solar plexus, I mean, oh, that yeah. looks painful. <laughs> yeah, and so bad dialogue right there. Um, then we have um, we have Wesley takes Doctor Crusher down to Data's quarters and convinces her to turn on Data, who everyone other than Wesley at this point believes is actually Lore, right. um, because Lore said he attacked me and I had to turn him off. And, um, and, uh, lore has, has done micro, whatever surgery on his face with a magic light that takes away his facial tick. And he's given data the facial tick. So he's done light surgery on him to make his facial muscle twitch. And it's twitching even though he's unconscious. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay. Um, that's not really how facial tics well, work. But he's okay. off. He's off. Yeah, I mean, that's off. the thing. He's a yeah. machine, so it shouldn't be any power. Right. right. But Dr. Crusher is convinced to turn on the machine that everybody, including her, believes was lore yep. and just attacked their friend Data. But she turns him on. It's like okay, that's unsafe. <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, <laughs> put him in the security, put him in a brig first, into and turn on the force field until you can assess, you know, who you've got here. Right. But she just turns him on. Then data. Oh, by the way, more bad dialogue down in the uh, down in the storage room. Lore is talking to the snowflake over the radio, and he keeps referring to it as crystal entity form. Yeah. Right. Like okay. <laughs> then we have the confrontation in the um in in the cargo bay and we get to see androids fighting so mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. uh wesley beams lore into space and we can tell it is lore because of the uniforms they're wearing yeah lore right. is lore is wearing data's uniform and data is wearing this kind of temporary jumper they put lore in yep but then the snowflake does not attack <laughs> right okay you just told the snowflake to suck everyone's life energy as soon as you lowered the shields to beam out the tree. Well, the shields got lowered to beam out lore. Yep. Did so it, it it that's normally how it works. I mean, I guess you could say he they beamed him out within the shields. <laughs> so he's but, like bouncing around inside the shields as they fly away. <laughs> but if not, those shields went down. Why that's didn't true. the snowflake attack? Right. And and then um the snowflake just leaves and Riker says, It's gone, sir. Without lore, it had no way to reach us. And it's like, okay, well it did if the shields just went down. <laughs> and even if they didn't, I mean, how smart is this thing? You know, it, it previously was attacking you through the shields and it was having success. It was just, it was just, <laughs> it was just when, when Lore talked to it and said, hi, I'm Data. And it had told him, I'm going to identify myself as Data. Please break off your attack and let me do this other thing to make it easier for you. Right. Okay. It could have gotten you. So more plot holes. Yeah, maybe they realized, you know, they beamed him out into space. I'm out of here. If they're willing to do that, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I'm not interested. No. Also, by the way, in this episode, we get to, since we get to see Lore disassembled, and they also mm-hmm. partially open, like, hatches and data and stuff, mm-hmm. we get to see what their innards are made of. And it is very mechanical. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got metal and beeping lights and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, there is no way data caught uh, the the water virus <laughs> a few a few episodes ago. This this thing is it's this thing is as as vulnerable to respiratory viruses as you know your car stereo is (laughs) yeah you know it this is not a synthesoid that is close to being a human and could literally catch a biological virus right that is not happening so that also was illusion shattering but they then say uh, earlier in the episode that well why why weren't data and lore killed by the crystal snowflake and they say well lore was disassembled at the time and data was wasn't alive yet he wasn't turned on yet and i said no they're just machines they're they're just machines (laughs) the the crystal snowflake didn't suck their life energy because they don't have any yeah they've got battery power like because it wasn't sucking up battery power because the lights turned on in the underground facility and all that sort of stuff yeah you know when wesley and, and bev go into data's quarters there wesley looks at Data on the floor, who it looks like lore. Mom, it's Data. He's been hurt. Why does like why does he say it as if oh I recognize it's Data and not lore? Like it's it's not like twins who have slight differences. They are the exact same thing. Like it didn't make any sense for him to be able to say it's Data as opposed to Mom. I'm really telling you this. Really, I think this really is Data or something along those lines. And then. The line is there. It's it's a clunky Gene Roddenberry line to to hammer the audience over the head with the fact this is data. This <laughs> is not lore. Yeah. It's Even data, though he's Mom. dressed like lore. Yeah, I heard you know how to turn them on. And and <laughs> Beth says this is very serious. So just tell me to shut up, Wesley, and I will. You're being very unfair, Wes. Click, turn them on. Like <laughs> that didn't yeah. make any logical sense. Like the only uh, only good line in this is when Laura calls Wesley troublesome little man child. Yes, that was a good. I like that one though. The the, the, the good part is when they when they insult Wesley throughout. That's yeah. uh, that's what makes this episode good. It certainly um, generated a lot of memes. I mean, yes. shut up, Wesley alone is yeah yeah, and, and that that got Will Wheaton. Yeah, understandably, he got very annoyed by it eventually because every time he posts something on Twitter, that was the immediate response. Shut well, up, in, Wesley. Yeah. In fact, what, there was a, a, a circumstance where he said, the next person who tells me, shut up, Wesley, on Twitter, I'm going to block. And then Patrick Stewart <laughs> tweets, shut up, Wes. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that one. <laughs> it was that's, fantastic. That's, that's good. The... Uh, also, Will Wheaton kind of has his revenge because um, he accumulated so many followers on Twitter that at least – I don't know if this is still the case, but for a time, the Twitterati measured their um, their follower count in Wheatons. Yes. Which is like a half a million people. Right, right. Yeah. So um, what was the one other thing? The, the thing that – the best thing about this episode is that I think, from, from my point of view, mm-hmm. is we get lore, which – eventually becomes an interesting counterpoint to data this you know the evil twin thing but it's almost in a way if you want to make a doctor who analogy the master to data's doctor and and he provides this interesting tension because he's data's quote-unquote brother but yet he's an enemy as well and i'm curious how 
Picard is going to deal with this and how they're going to bring in now that data is gone, uh, bring in lore as an antagonist. Um, I, I'm just, I'm kind of fascinated by this, uh, what they're, what they're going to try to do with him there. But uh, I think with all the problems of this episode, I'm glad that we had lore because we got some pretty interesting stories out of it afterward from my yeah. point of view. Father Corey. Two. <laughs> right. No, I, you know, I, I, one thing I'm thinking of is, is I'm kind of surprised Brent Spiner wanted to go back and play the lore character at all, you know, because that was part of the reason why they killed Data is he didn't want to play Data and have to explain why Data is older now. Right but now, they're going to do that with lore, anyways. Well, they kept sh- he wanted a paycheck because they kept showing up in Picard as different characters yeah. in the in the Sung well, line don't blame of things. Yeah. yeah, they all the Sungs look the same, so I mean, you <laughs> could just keep playing them at different ages, but. That's some strong DNA. Yeah, I think the data can't grow old thing is ridiculous anyway. They showed in in All Good Things in the series finale that he, I mean, he had like, um, he had white hair, you know, some white hair in that. So data can, I I think data is programmed to grow older. Or at least can modify his appearance because he's a machine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. Uh, Any other final thoughts, uh, Jimmy? Nah, I just am not wild about lore. I mean, he's 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 reasonable in Brothers as a character. He's he's good in that. But other than that, I'm not a fan of lore. I don't like the Descent episodes, um, and I'm not wild about having him in the Star Trek universe. So I could have done without the whole lore thing. Okay. And Father Corey, you didn't have anything else, nope, right? Nothing okay, else. Good. Nope. All right, so let's take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Matthew B., David L., Dan S., Robert P., and Dion R. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Star Trek in all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And we'd also like to thank Victor Lambs, who edited this episode. So that's it from us. We'd love to hear what you think of this episode, Data Lore. Let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or send an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. And you can now watch The Secrets of Star Trek in full video on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash starquestmedia. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the uh, TNG episode, Ship in a Bottle. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Don. Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thank you. Live long and prosper. And now show me your warrior fierceness. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek and StarQuest. And remember, shut up, Wesley. (laughs) 